Father in heaven, we thank you for this time again we have to study your word. Thank you, Lord, for the safekeeping throughout this past week. Thank you for this opportunity to come and fellowship together in your word. Lord, we ask that you would please grace us with your presence this evening, that you would please send us your Holy Spirit, that he might teach us, that he might guide us, that he might lead us, that our eyes might be opened unto the words that you want to us to hear, to see, and to understand this evening. Please bless us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. I'm so glad that we can be together again this evening. And today, our study is Moses and the Israelites. And we're coming to the end of the wilderness wanderings. And the children of Israel, they're about to enter into the land of Canaan. And that means that even Moses' life is also coming to an end as well. Why? Because remember, when God asked him to speak to the rock, that water would come out for the children of Israel, he decided to go against the word of God and strike the rock instead. And so God would give the sentence to him that he and his brother would not be able to enter into the land of Canaan. And so we read in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This was such a great punishment for Moses. Why? Because he had been leading the children of Israel for 40 years now. He had been bearing long with them. He'd been laboring amongst them. He had been withstanding all their murmurings and all their rebellions against him as a leader. And at the end, he would not be the one to lead them into the land that had been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so with Canaan right before his eyes, his mortality is now in clear view as well. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 3, 24 to 27, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes, westward and northward and southward and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. You know, Moses, he so desperately wanted to go over. He was pleading with God, but God was firm. The sentence had been given because of his disobedience, and Moses would not be the one to lead them into that good land. God said to him, that's enough. Speak no more of this matter. It has been settled already. But even though his mortality was in clear view, Moses' work was not yet done. First, he had to appoint new leadership. Let's keep reading now in Numbers 27, 18 to 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, 
a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. God would call Joshua to succeed Moses in that position of leadership, in leading the children of Israel. And it was important that Moses lay his hand on him and give him charge in front of everybody, in front of the whole camp of Israel, so that their confidence in Joshua as a leader might be established. And secondly, Moses, he would repeat the history of the Israelites to those that were standing before him after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And it wasn't just the history of the Israelites, but also the Ten Commandments, the law that was spoken from Mount Sinai. You see, most of them were alive, that, are, that were alive then were only 20 years old or younger when the law of God was first given to the Israelites. They were too young to remember much of the history, even though it was just this short 40 years. Joshua and Caleb would be the only aged people that would go over and inherit Canaan. Remember, they were the two faithful spies that had faith, believing that God would be with them and help them to conquer the land when the 10 other spies said no, they were giants, the, the, the plants eat people. They were the only two that had been faithful and that God said they would be able to go in. And you know, it's also interesting to note about the book of Deuteronomy. The meaning of the book Deuteronomy, that the word Deuteronomy, it means second law or repeated law. The, the repeat of all this history was a reminder and also a warning for the children of Israel to continue to be faithful to God. You know, Exodus 20 is where the Ten Commandments is first uttered from God to the children of Israel and where it's written down. However, it's repeated almost in verbatim in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Look at this, Deuteronomy 5 verses 1 to 4. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. You see, Moses, he repeats those Ten Commandments and he's reminding them to keep it and to do it, to be faithful to all that God had commanded them. You see, God had made a covenant with them and they all agreed to enter into this covenant relationship with God. And you can read the comments just below that passage there. But now, how serious was God about this commandment? And how are we going to, to look at it from this perspective where Moses is repeating it to them again? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 9, look at what he says. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them 
that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You see, God, he was a covenant-keeping God. He had made this promise to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. They had been rebellious and walked away from God so much, but yet he was always true to his promise. He had always kept his side of his agreement for Abraham, for Isaac, and for Jacob's sake. God had made this agreement back with Abraham when he was still in the wilderness, when he had not inherited anything back in Genesis. What did God say to Abraham? In Genesis 15, verses 13 to 14, he says to Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and after, afterward shall they come out with great substance. <clears throat> this was a prophecy of the children of Israel and Egypt and the Exodus. And God held up his end of the bargain. He brought them out with great substance. For 400 years, they would be in a land that was not theirs. But for 400 years, God would never forget. For 400 years, God was ready. And when that day came, he brought them out just as he said he would earlier to Abraham. And so Moses is reminding the children of Israel to keep the covenant that they made with God. And if they do their part, God would also keep his part faithfully as well. And today, friends, we don't need to worry about whether the promises in the Bible are true or not. His word is always faithful and true. God, he is a covenant-keeping God. The problem is too often, we are the ones that are found unfaithful. We are the ones who keep breaking the promises of God. We are the ones that do not fulfill the conditions outlined there in his covenant. We are the ones that turn our backs against God because of the lusts of our flesh and the desires of the world. However, Moses, he's not done yet. He shows them the sort of land that they're inheriting. And I'm telling you, this land was something amazing. Let's keep reading. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 to 9. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. You know, it's so interesting when you look at all this list in verse 8 there, a land of wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, all of this. It's so interesting that when you look at the world today that we live in, you know, the top producers of wheat today are China, India, and Russia. Barley, it's Russia, Germany, France, Ukraine. The vines, Italy, France, and Spain. The fig trees, Turkey, Spain, and Greece. And I'm just going through this. I'm not expecting to remember all the countries, but, you know, I'm just going through all these fruits that have been listed out. Why? Uh, I'll get to it in a minute. Olive oil, um, it mostly comes from the Mediterranean basin. That's all the countries that are on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Honey, it's from China, 
U- the European Union and Turkey. Now, why are all these statistics uh, I, I want to share with you? You see, the land of Canaan would produce all of that. Today, yes, a few countries are popping up here and there again, repeated, like Russia, China, uh, Europe. But the land of Canaan was so fertile, it supported all of this. This is how amazing the land of Canaan was and how much God had blessed it and cultivated it and and how he was ready to give them such an amazing and beautiful and fruitful land. And this is a land God is giving to the Israelites and they've done nothing to cultivate it. They've done nothing to take care of it. They are walking in, inheriting this land, and it's already ready to to use, to to be harvested, to, to plant everything. Everything is there. But there's more. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. Look at this. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. You know, they, 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 they sowed the seed, they had to water it as well. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. This land was special. It said that they drank of the water from heaven. God cared for this land. He watered this land. He looked upon this land all year round and entering into this covenant with God. When God said, if you want to to be my people, you got to keep my commandments, but this is what I'm going to do for you. You know, it the blessings that they got from God from to be his people, it the blessings that God gave to them, it far outweighed any commitment that they would ever make to God. They had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And so God was not backing them into a corner and trying to make them uh, be his people because he brought them out of the land of Egypt. No, he gave them the laws and he was ready to give them this land of Canaan that was just beyond our comprehension. We, we can't imagine any land like that out there today in our world, can we? But this was how amazing this land was, the land of Canaan. But Moses, he's not done yet. He gives them warning, you see. So after he says, you're getting all these beautiful things, but he throws in a warning. Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 15. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full, if they would remain faithful to God if they would obey and love God with all their hearts and serve him with all their hearts, he would take care of them. He would continue to be with them and bless them. It was a promise that came with a condition. But if they weren't faithful, if they did not serve God, if they did not adhere to his laws, if they did not hold up to the end of their bargain, what would happen? What would happen? Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. 
and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruits, <clears throat> pardon me, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. You see, if they were not faithful, and they chose to worship other gods and worship them, then God would not be faithful to them either. He would close the doors of heaven, and there would be no rain. And friends, I think it's obvious today what's happened. If you look at the modern-day Israel, that's the site of Palestine, that's where Canaan was. We can't imagine a land that was that fertile, especially as we look at Palestine today. All we see there is just brown and desert. You see, God does not punish us because we don't worship him. When we enter into a covenant relationship with God, there are blessings that come in its train. God pours out so much blessing because he loves us with such a great love. But when we choose someone else and we serve someone else and we worship someone else, then those blessings reserved for the faithful are taken away. Look, there are blessings that come upon everybody, no matter whether you worship or not. The rain still falls, the sun still shines, right? The, the, the blessings of fruit to a certain extent still come. But it's just like the protecting care that God had on the Israelites. As much as they went through the desert, there were so many dangers that they were kept from that they didn't realize, except when they began to complain, then God said, okay, you complain too much, I'm going to remove my protecting care. And there were extra blessings, you know. Today, we probably go through the desert, there'll be all the snakes and the scorpions and all these things to harm us and to hurt us and to kill us. But they didn't realize that God was with them so much, watching over them, protecting for them, protecting them, and caring for them. And so, what's the conclusion to this reminder of the covenant that God made with the Israelites that they agreed to? What is the conclusion? In Deuteronomy 26, verses 18 and 19, the Bible says this, And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations, which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor, that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he hath spoken." If they would be faithful, God would set them high above all the other nations around them. He would exalt them and he would bless them tremendously and make them a holy people. But even then, Moses is still not done. This book of Deuteronomy is a clear message to the Israelites just before they enter into Canaan. And remember, it's a reminder for us today who are at the borders of heavenly Canaan. Jesus is about to come. And what does Moses end with? What does he say in the book of Deuteronomy? Chapter 28, verses 1 to 2. And, if, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord will set thee high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, only if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. If they would be faithful, if they would observe all his commandments and do them, 
then God would pour out so many blessings upon them, it would overtake them. And from verse 3 to 13, all these blessings are just listed out there. You can go back and read them. But then we read in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. If they were not faithful, all these curses would be poured out upon them. And from verse 16 to 68, all these curses are detailed as well. Moses was warning them as a faithful parent would warn their children just just as they depart from their home, never to be seen again. He's warning them. And finally, we read, Chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, verses 15 to 16. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayst live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. You see, the children of Israel had already been eyewitnesses of how much God had blessed them with, of his watch care over them. They had come to the border of Canaan and they'd sent the 12 spies out to spy the land for 40 days. They, They had come back with fruit that was so glorious to behold, the grapes that was so big and succulent that had to be carried between two people on a pole. God had blessed them so much and Moses finally exhorts them one last time to be faithful. You know, friends, I think that if we sit back and take a think about our own lives, if we examine our own lives, we would also see clearly the blessings of God upon each of us. We would see how much He loves us and desires the best for us. And this would deepen our love for Him. And we would have a greater appreciation of all that He's done for us. This would lead us to a greater and deeper faithfulness back to Him as well. I think too many times we we forget God's blessings to each and every one of us. We personally forget of those blessings that he's granted to us. And it's so important to always meditate on these blessings. It's always important to be grateful to God. It's always important to spend some time every day to detail the blessings of God in each of our lives. You know, I make it a habit every day to write down five praises from the previous day. And my family at the end, we, we make it a habit to before they pray, we, we pray and put the kids to sleep. We, we all share a praise each. And sometimes, yes, they're, they're small praises, but it's a praise nonetheless. And it's so important to keep before our eyes the goodness of God, of what He's done for us and what He continues to do for us. If we would do that, it would lead us to a greater faithfulness. It would lead us to a, a deeper zeal and a deeper love for Him as well. And so at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses, he's done exhorting the people. What happens next? Let's keep reading, shall we? Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 to 4. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, unto Dan, 
and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zor. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. What happens? Moses, he goes to the top of Mount Pisgah, and God shows him all the land of Canaan. He's able to see all the land that the children of Israel would inherit. He would see one last time the goodness of God to his children. And yes, God would be true to his word. Moses would not be allowed to enter into earthly Canaan. Even though Moses was faithful, yet he had allowed one small sin, such a small instance of letting go of God to mar his record. And so the loving God would mingle his love and mercy with his justice as well. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't hold us higher above anybody else just because we are his people or we're more faithful. In fact, in the higher position we are, the greater the sin would appear to be, even though it is so small. And Moses, he was held accountable. And so we read in Deuteronomy 34 and verses 5 to 7. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Moses would die alone on Mount Pisgah. His place of death was not revealed, so that people would not come and worship him at the place where he was buried. Yes, he was a great man of God. But God did not want, and nor did Moses, of course, in fact, want anyone to worship Moses. The Bible says that his eye was not dim. His natural force was not getting weaker. He, yes, although old, 120 years, he was still a strong man. And if it was not for the judgment of God, he probably would have lived much longer. Though God is a merciful God, friends, he also must judge as well. We are told in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. You know, friends, we see this at the cross. God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. He did not excuse sin or transgression simply because he loved us. No, his love still had to carry out and follow what justice demanded, and that was the death of the person who sinned. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus would die and pay for the penalty of sin while at the same time showing mercy to the whole world. And friends, we see this in the life of Moses as well. Not that he died for the sins of the world, absolutely not, no. But we see justice and mercy coming together. 
You see, justice would he would have to pay for the sin of his disobedience. He would not be allowed to enter into the land of Canaan and lead the children in there, that land of promise. However, God would still show mercy to him by resurrecting him and bringing him to heaven. How do we know that? We read in Jude chapter 1 and verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. You see, the devil was contending about the body of Moses. Why? Because God was about to resurrect him. And we know that Moses was resurrected ultimately. Because, you see, when Jesus was on earth, when he in his ministry was coming to the close of his ministry, he was transfigured. He went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what we call it. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, this is what we read in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 31. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there taught with him two men, Who was it? Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Moses, along with Elijah, would come down from heaven and would appear to comfort Jesus about the impending fate that he was facing, the trial at the cross. And so though Moses died on Mount Pisgah alone, God would resurrect him. God would honor him. Though he was not allowed to lead the children of Israel into the land of earthly Canaan, he would be resurrected and brought up to heavenly Canaan. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 through 12, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of Israel. There would arise no one else that would be like Moses, none that would know God face to face like Moses did, none that would have that closeness of relationship and openness of communication. And so, upon hearing of the death of Moses, how did the children of Israel react? Deuteronomy 34 and verse 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. They would mourn for Moses for thirty days. It was only at his death only when he was finally absent from them permanently that the children of Israel would feel their loss. And no amount of remorse would bring him back. They would now have to move on without him, without his prayers for them, without his counsel, and without his visible presence. You know, friends, it's important to cherish our leaders while they're still with us in our midst, to appreciate those whom God has blessed us with, At times, we were tempted to murmur, we complain, we we say things behind their back, and, you know, we're not happy with some decisions that they make sometimes, but God places people in our paths, always for our benefit. 
and for our help and for our guidance and to fight against the guidance of God in our lives through the people that he places in our paths only hurts ourselves and not others. It only disadvantages ourselves. And so friends, I want to remind you all, let's continue to be faithful. Let's continue to to make sure that we do all the words of God, especially his 10 commandments. Let's ask God to write that law in our hearts and minds. Let's strengthen our faith that God would give us that strength to be able to do it. And let us make sure that we appreciate our leaders and all that they say and do for each and every one of us. And we haven't done so lately. Go up to your leaders and tell them how thankful you are for them, that how God has blessed you through them. Let's think of those good things and not be reminded of the things in the past that are not so pleasant to be reminded of. May God help us all ever to be thankful and to remember the goodness of God to us through the wise counsels of our friends and our leaders and those that are older than us. And so friends, let's ever stay close to God, to ask him to lead us, because truly sometimes he leads us not only with his word, but with people that he brings in our lives as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you personally for the many people you've brought into my life to guide and to lead me. And Lord, I know that all of us can be thankful for that as well. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd help us ever to cherish the people that you do bring into our lives. Help us to be thankful, not to exalt them above you, but to be appreciative of how God has worked through them for our blessing. And so, God, may you please continue to guide us. May you continue to lead us and help us to see how you're leading us in your word and the circumstances of life and especially the people that you bring into our lives as well. May you give us a discernment to know what to follow and what not to follow. Help us to know how to live for you and make sure that your life is clearly found in our life as well. And so bless us, Lord, and if any of us are struggling to follow your will today, please strengthen us, Lord. Give us your spirit. Give us that determination and willpower to will and to do of your good pleasure. Help us, Lord, to that end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.